0: One of the things I like to say with a lot of our partners and suppliers and you know, I call them partners, not not suppliers, but is having those open conversations and solving together. Like we're not, we're not the smart guys in the room. We're not going to come and tell people how to do the business. I want to share in the challenge and let's figure out the solution together. And we, we've formed a lot of relationships that way with, with a lot of our core partners. And uh, I think that's partly what I'm excited about today. It, it took us three years, four years of working through this as we thought about the technology and, and how we're going to improve and, looking at all the different facets of it. And I think we're in a really, I'm excited, right? I'm excited about what is yet to come.
1: Oil and gas makes modern life possible. The energy the world requires today and tomorrow will come from decisions made in the oil field today. Oil and gas will remain the leading source of fuel to power affordable energy that is sustainable for the billions of people that depend on the success of the industry. The Oil Field is a group of people, companies, technologies, and institutions working towards providing the world with safe, clean, storable, and transportable power. The Oilfield 360 podcast is a 360 degree deep dive into the leaders of the industry, who will provide listeners with a first-hand account of what it takes to build, maintain, and lead the energy business into the future. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. United Airlines. As Houston's hometown airline, United has long been the preferred carrier of the energy sector. United for Business offers a range of programs and discounted travel options built for all of your energy, resource, and marine travel needs. Get started at united.com business. Piper Sandler. The energy and power team of Piper Sandler is committed to the global energy industry and delivers exceptional client services in M&A advisory, capital markets execution, institutional sales, and investment research. For more information, please visit pipersandler.com slash energy and power. Welcome to the Oilfield 360 podcast. My name
2: is Josh Lowry. I'm coming to you live from the Fletch Azul podcast studio in Houston, Texas. I am joined, as usual, with the co-host extraordinaire, Mr. David DeRoad. How are you, sir?
0: Doing well, buddy. How are you
2: doing? I'm doing great. As It hasn't gotten any easier to remember to say this stuff and look at the camera at the same time. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, you need to go check out our YouTube channel and uh, see if I did a good job. By the way, how'd you like that segue? Just kind of cross-promote in the middle of my introduction. Oh yeah. Did yeah. I forget to do anything? So we No,
3: you draw attention to uh, people listening to you and looking at you but per usual. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well It's know, all it's, about Josh. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the Josh
2: Hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh Lowry's gonna talk about himself in the third person today. So you know, honestly, it's been a while since we've done one of these.
3: Yeah, it's been a little while. It has been a little while. Summer
2: vacation kind of took over.
3: Yeah, but I don't think we stopped working on things. We've got uh, building out the podcast studio, we've got a lot of stuff going on. You've apparently not only gotten some new shoes with new shoelaces yes. but also some multicolored socks these are
2: frack socks actually look uh, at that look it's at that whole, i wore these in honor of our guests we're having on today oh, so man, we'll talk about them in you, a minute buddy it's more about josh well, before i get to them but uh <laughs> but you well, you, you, real
3: quick you go a little partner in some corduroy pants for the cool cool weather i mean look at well i mean you know i i didn't work out at all during the pandemic and yeah, I messed that one up too. Could have totally taken advantage of that.
2: I I, I get, had to give away all my clothes, so yeah. I had to go buy new clothes because <laughs> nothing
3: fits anymore. And I didn't I had, give anything away. I just had Abdullah make me some more. You know, oh gosh, the tent maker. You know, real quick,
2: you talk about one. I do want to acknowledge that we did build two new studios. Yeah. While we were on vacation, I guess you could call it on break. So we, and we're going to be having an open house party coming up with to advertise the. Two new studios that we've got. One's a little bit smaller, um, kind of a lounge, we're calling it. One's more of a technology studio, and then we're kind of going to revamp what we're calling the studio, which is what we're in now, the Fletcher Azul Studio. So, yeah. very exciting stuff.
3: We've got the newsroom deal where Mister Hunt can go do his yeah his know, live uh, Fox News uh, yeah live streams live streams yeah mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Well, again, you know, I could talk about me for the entire time, but <laughs> we need to get to our guests. Yeah. You want to introduce this is by the way yeah. i'm excited we've not are we coming back we're coming back with some heavy hitters
3: yeah today. absolutely so want to introduce uh warren zimlock and caleb barkley the ceo and COO of uh, bj energy solutions uh longtime clients and friends big supporters of, of them have been trying to get warren in here for two plus years and uh i'm glad uh i'm glad uh, uh we were patient. He was patient, because uh, uh, the wait is well worth it. I think is is uh, you'll hear as we uh, have our conversation this afternoon. So I'm really glad to have both of you guys here. And Welcome, gentlemen. Privileged to have you yeah, here, for nice. and uh, look forward to uh, sharing your story with the world. And
0: Let's just talk about what about two what years
2: waiting looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two <laughs> like when you say two years, that's not just a normal two years. We're this is a COVID two years. Yeah, I mean a lot has taken place in the last eighteen to twenty four months. Mm. How are you guys doing? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> we're doing okay. I, I think uh, you know we've obviously had a lot of, a lot of challenges through through this period, and uh, but I think at the same time we've we've stayed focused on what we we believe in and some of the technology things that we were incubating back in two thousand eighteen. So, so just just for, yeah. I'm sorry to catch you out. Just for the yeah. audience's
2: standpoint, that is yeah. Warren talking, the Canadian voice. That's the Canadian. Voice. That's Warren. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're gonna identify those who don't know who, who is who. Yeah. So if you're not
3: looking at Josh on YouTube, you hear the voices.
2: Yes, Let's so we have a resident on. Canadian, and uh, so that's that's the first guy. I'm legal.
0: I'm legal. <laughs> yeah, welcome
2: <laughs> down. So yeah, but I'm, I just wanted to make sure the audience knew who was who was speaking here. So yeah, thanks. It's yeah. been what?
0: Yeah. So so yeah, we've uh, we've been focused on, and obviously we're we're rolling out some new technology around emissions reduction. Um, we're really excited about it. We feel like uh, whether it's good timing and and just the evolution of this is is really worked out in our. Our favorite, I believe. So uh,
2: wait a minute, right? wait a minute. We're not jumping into this. This is you're going too soon into this. Wow. We have a whole pandemic to jump through. <laughs> like we can't well, just go go, we let's can't go. just go from the world ended twenty eighteen months ago into how great things are going now. Yeah. How could, yeah. did you buy new pants? I did. Okay, I did. so yeah. Yeah. you something went bad for you over the last eighteen months? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. let's. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm not the only one that had to buy new pants.
4: <laughs> okay. It's just we're we're trying to forget about what happened two years ago. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. You guys. I mean, look, you guys,
2: and that's Caleb speaking. Thank. It's good to ha- yep. have you on yeah, as well. Thank you. So you guys have not just had a development of, you know, new pants, for instance, the, some of the personal struggles that everybody in the world's had to deal with. You guys have also dealt with the market, dealt with a lot of changes, led pe- groups of people along. You know, some of it's been, you know, public out there. Yep. What's what's that been like? I mean, how does that what does that look like as leading through an 18-month pandemic along with an actual business to run?
4: Well, maybe maybe I'll let you grow on level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it has been a wild run. I mean, David, you know, we've we've known David for a long time and it's been great to meet you along our our journey here. But but certainly B.J. Services, you know, we went from, you know, a company that had, you know, essentially four frack fleets uh, and in in 12 months went from to from four to thirty two. So tremendous growth and and bringing on and growing our team significantly uh, that very first year of operation. you know and then we spent the the better part of you know three to four years uh you know building that out it was brand new business but the size of a mature business that you would have evolved to over 20 years we did it in one um and it felt like you know in i guess it would have been in 2020 we we're really starting to hit our stride you know in the first first quarter we felt like man we're we finally we we're finally starting to stabilize we weren't growing we were just getting really good at what we were doing and you know and i think in that <clears throat> first quarter we uh, we had as many frack fleets as really anybody, you know, in the market. Um, but our crews and our teams were really hitting on all strides. And then, of course, you know, we get through the, the end of the first quarter and and uh, all of a sudden there's not as much uh, oil and gas needed, right, in the market anymore, uh, you know, with COVID hitting. And, and so then it was, oh, let's well, change again. So we, we certainly started, you know, trying to uh, to morph into a completely different company. And then had different challenges Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and and you know if i think back josh to 2017 when we you know we all recognized that it was an you know what we acquired in that whole transaction was was an older fleet right Mm -hmm. um we never hid from that fact i think i think the team did a phenomenal job and that's what's so exciting about this business is is going through that ramp that caleb talked about we also recognized very early on this is back 2017-18 that you know something new is going to evolve right and if you remember back then esg wasn't wasn't the headline story it was you know it was about scale it was about efficiencies it was about cost reduction so we we went through a number of you know processes to kind of reevaluate the assets that we acquired but also what we're going to do that you know in the future to replace those assets knowing that they had a shorter a shorter life. that's ultimately what spawned some of the things that we're dealing with today and the success we had is is looking at that technology and what what would be the next generation as we thought about it and in 2018 we kicked that project off mm-hmm. so yeah.
3: yeah i don't think <clears throat> a lot of people appreciated what you guys went through because you know back yeah. before it was bj was allied and y'all had a y'all had a business plan yeah keep mm-hmm. it you know small small yeah tight yeah. you know um y'all were focused on culture development you know leadership training all these things that we'll talk a little bit more about a little bit later building the company and then it suddenly Charlie, we got BJ and you know that was like birthing a baby elephant like people don't appreciate how many people like you went from being you know a relatively small player very focused to suddenly being a multi-basin national -national Mm multinational company with thousands of employees literally overnight Mm -hmm. I mean that deal was literally happened right around Christmas time I remember that disrupted everybody's yeah. Christmas time yeah. and yeah. and that, that there was, was Christmas that year I don't remember I don't th- I don't think yeah. there really was actually <laughs> but uh but I mean I don't think people appreciate that I mean the the you know Jamie Stewart who we've had on here before he kind of experienced that with Surefire back you know back when he built up Surefire was just like boom mm. like yeah. he has suddenly had to go hire like 400 people literally in less than a week to go meet the the demand for all the pumps he was building at the time at Surefire and of course that's another that's another story yeah cycle called him and and uh, but I mean that took a lot of effort but I I think you guys were attacking that and and I had some inside view of things that a lot of people didn't I mean y'all were attacking you know high grading the equipment issue while at the same time looking for opportunities to introduce new technologies develop new technologies take some pre-existing techno- technological thoughts that have been around for a while that never got executed, as well as trying to develop a culture, focusing on the people, mm-hmm. competency around what you're doing, all these things that, that go into building a well-oiled machine. And, you know, had we had the market that we're walking into now, things might have been a different story. Mm-hmm. But it, it was it was the timing of things. But I'm really excited about about. Uh, what we're going to get into here in a little bit but before we do that can we kind of take y'all back just a little bit and get each of you to kind of give 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 our listeners just a uh uh some insight to where you came from how you got in the business to and then how that kind of shaped you to where you are now and how you're leading your business going forward because yep. y'all are not just executives y'all started in the field mm-hmm. and uh if you wouldn't mind you know talk about a uh, fella yep. coming in from Canada, Western Canada, and <laughs> how it all got started. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I, I, I'm, I'll, uh, mine's a, mine's a longer story, so it'll cut me off. But, um, yeah, I started the industry. I, I grew up in a small farming community, um, as all farmers do in, in Canada. And in the winter times, you got to make some make some money, right? And, and the oil fields were pretty attractive to that. I think growing up, my uncle was, was deep in the business. He worked for a company called Van Systems, which was uh, ultimately acquired by uh, Halliburton. But I used to be, uh, enamored with his stories about, you know, he traveled overseas a lot in the Arctic and got to do a lot of cool things. And as a kid, you know, you're hearing these stories and like that was the attraction. It was it was why I love this industry. Right. And so as I, uh, you know, kind of went through, graduated and, and got into to college, I, I was going to start to pursue, a, uh, a, you know, more of an accounting background and, and story of those folks. But it wasn't for me. Um, you know, I went to work the winters and the summers and in, in oil fields to put some some money in the bank and Ended up staying right. So, I started out. Um, mine's a little bit of a unique story. I started out in ground level. I, uh, you know, I ran equipment. I drove trucks. I, uh, I started out as a cementer. Right? I mean, quite frankly, back in I guess 88, 89, got into fracturing. It's interesting. At that time, um, I got into fracturing at a time when um, what a lot of our technology is today—direct drive turbine frac pumps—was was real. Um, they were being utilized, and that was with Dowell, which was, again was acquired by Schlumberger. Great company. Um, gave me a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities to develop. Um, I evolved then into cultivating, um, you know, all working in Western Canada at the time. I spent my first 10 years of my career doing that. Um, And again, ground level, everything from supervising then into management. Um, At that time, I also worked in a lot of different remote locations, Um, you know, Arctic, did some stuff uh, in the early days of, of some of the early Hibernia offshore supporting some of that. Um, and then got into multi zone frac. Um, who who would have known, right? This is shell gas, vertical <laughs> fracs. Um, did some things around tools and, and coal tubing and frac that, that Caleb loves to see the two on the same site. Um, we'll talk about that. But um, essentially, that's, that was my opportunity. You know. And again, something being a great company in terms of developing, and, and at that time, the industry was live and well. Um, I got the opportunity to come down to Houston my very first time. This is my fourth time back. I might as well, might as well call myself. A citizen here, right? So, yeah. Um, but I came in to to do some product development around multi-zone systems. Did a lot of travel overseas. Moved 13 times through the course of that. I've, I've bounced back and forth between technology and, and uh, into running operations. You know, I've lived in multiple countries. Um, Indonesia. I've worked in West Africa and, and the Middle East and South America, and and uh, done a lot of a lot of cool things. Like I look back at my career, and that's what I love about this industry, right? Um, so, so le- you know, during the later later years, I got the opportunity to go work in Russia for about four years. I met a lot of great people. Really, really loved the the challenges and the environment over there. Um, but then I was pulled back to to be part of the North American, running the the wealth services side of the of the business here in North America. And at that time, you know, the family now is getting to a place. I have, I have two children that were kind of getting into the la- latter years, and we thought it was time to probably go back, right? And so we went back to to Canada and went to a small privately owned, um, family owned company and that, that has its own unique uh, challenges and experiences. But I, I really, I think, helped, helped me kind of grow uh, professionally and think about things differently too. And ultimately that led to um, leaving that, which was a difficult story, um, into the opportunity to work with the private equity and then, you know, Charlie and, and folks. And uh, we uh, we did the carve out ultimately of, of the BJ product and that's where it evolved. So. You know, that, that whole story was thirty some years, and uh, <laughs> um, how fast you know,
2: does thirty something years feel?
0: It's you know when I look at my children now, it tells me. <laughs> you know you you think about things, all the all the great opportunities, but you also think about the things you might have missed, or you know because you uh,
2: talked about like 89. eight, eighty nine. I'm sure you remember that vividly.
0: Oh yeah yeah
2: and now we're in 2001 almost 20 yeah uh, 21 yeah on the way to 22.
0: yeah and i and i love the industry i see you know one of the things i enjoy about this is seeing people grow and have those opportunities it's it's a very it's obviously a very different industry today it's it's got its new challenges but again that's part of the fun right Mm -hmm. it's let's let's hit it head on let's figure out how we overcome and you know this is the industry gets a lot of a lot of negativity but i will also say it's an industry that continues to evolve and we will find a way and Mm -hmm. uh, do our part right so
1: Prang & Associates, the global energy search leader. Prang & Associates is the world's leading executive search firm totally dedicated to the energy industry. Over our 39 years, we have assisted more than 750 management teams and boards in 75 countries and conducted nearly 3,600 engagements. For more information, please visit prang.com. Range Valuation Services. Range is the only oil and gas focused valuation and appraisal firm in the financial services industry. Range specializes in appraising and valuing oil field equipment, machinery, inventory, and property, and customarily works directly with clients, lenders, investment bankers, insurers, and private equity and debt sponsors. For more information, please visit rangevaluationservices.com. what's so what does it
0: look like it.
2: yeah he's, he keeps saying it's been a shorter story but that's it's not because there's not the same challenge
4: it's just you hey, so i'm 10 years younger yeah there you, <laughs> you go know, let's let's just be honest <laughs> yeah. here i got more room to run okay <laughs> that uh, is true <laughs> no it's uh yeah it's it's obviously it's uh it's a little different story but when i i think about that you know what you said josh in terms of how do you how do you get here there's a lot of influences along the way mm-hmm. and um you know, I, I, I guess I go back to, I went to Colorado State University, um, getting an engineering degree in bioresource engineering, which is really taking an engineering degree and, and applying it to environmental sciences. And I think about where we are now, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and even in college, uh, you know, I always enjoyed, you know, doing my own thing, hands on. And so I, I started a, uh, uh, an exterior painting company when I was in college, you know, ran that for a couple of years and, um, you know, so I always really liked the entrepreneurship, you know, and doing, kind of putting your hands on, influencing kind of where you went. And so I was getting out of college and saw my, you know, my uh, colleagues getting, you know, jobs and, and uh, you know, looking at where they were going. I just couldn't fathom sitting behind a desk, you know, eight to five, uh, at least that's what I was telling myself. And I love the outdoors, love to hunt, love to fish. And and so I started looking for jobs like, how can I get an engineering job, but stay outside, you know, be more hands-on and and I, I didn't know anything about the energy industry, frankly, anything about the oil field. And, and I started, you know, interviewing and I met, you know, a company Schlumberger, you know, that's where, you know, our ties start. Uh, and uh, here's a job that was really pitched as not nine to five. Uh,
2: what year are you talking about here?
4: So that would have been um, 2000, <laughs> 2000, so, Yeah, you know, a little Come over on. 20 years ago. Um, so you know not nine to five and and outdoors and so those things really started resonating with me and then i got to realize you know how challenging it could be and and exciting so i I took the leap you know and got into the energy industry and was really you know new for me all of it so um just didn't realize that this was an industry where it had some of the hardest working individuals in in any industry sector uh and so that's where i started uh as a field engineer uh working in the permian basin before it was really the true Permian Basin that we know today, you know, a lot of vertical uh, type well completions and whatnot, and spent three years there. And then, uh, you know, I think my roots of, you know, being more hands-on, you know, more entrepreneurial, really started to take, you know, I learned a tremendous amount. Sean Merger is a great place to learn. Um, they do a great job at that, And but I wanted to branch out and do something that was smaller. And so I joined a, a, pr- a private um, oil field company, Sangel at the time. and and when we were just tiny, you know, and, and we was able to participate, you know, help help uh, grow a really great team there. And I was actually there for about 13, 14 years. And that's how I met Warren along the way. And we really hit it off. And, and unfortunately that came to a really tough end after we built something extremely special. Um, but I think there were a lot of learnings that we both took from there, you know, being a private company, very family oriented. And I think there was a tremendous amount of, of alignment with my values, Warren's values around people and culture and, and really taking care of your team, which would ultimately take care of the client, mm-hmm. which, you know, you it achieve just, what you want to achieve, itself. it right. feeds itself, right. And we weren't on a quarterly treadmill, you know, and all those things that help you really Is this the same thing that you that. said
2: was a tough ending? Okay, yeah, same company. Yeah yeah. Same, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. So I mean, it was a company we just absolutely loved and, and the team that we had built there. And and so, you know, that's obviously Warren and I. We talked about what are we going to do next, and you know, we had a really, I think we had incubated a lot of great, great things, um, you know, within that company, and that we were able to take. And and uh, there were so many other team members also looking for, you know, where are they going to go next? And so it was kind of like, well, how do we just help take all of this, you know, forward? And so we were afforded a great um, opportunity, like you said, David, to work with uh, CSL and. And uh, go out and acquire some assets that we thought we were going to stay small and, and allied. That was the game plan. Yeah, that was the game plan. And <laughs> I don't think we did our first frag job before it changed. But um, but anyways, that's that's how My, we got Mike to Tyson here.
2: has the best line of all time. Everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, it's the yeah. greatest line yeah. because yeah i'm sure you did have a plan my yeah. 2020 was going great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it, yeah. it just was i mean yeah, every, yeah. who wasn't geared up for their best yeah. year in their career in the early parts all of 2020.
0: after all we've been through since 2017 to 2020 q1 q1 was our best quarter mm-hmm. right we were we were really feeling good about the year and man yeah. how, how things changed. Right? you know
2: i wrote an email the other day ta- describing this was just two days ago or whatever day we're on today and it was talking about and i'm sure everybody in here can remember you know not as dramatic as some of the life-changing events of our life but i bet you remember where you were when oil went to minus 40 oh yeah Yeah. and you just sat there and watched it i remember being terrified when it was maybe 17 and 15 like oh my god and then by the time it goes negative i'm everybody in the office was cracking up yeah like this is hilarious how let's see how low this can go it i mean it was just unbelievable how bad it got there for a
0: minute yeah yeah i remember when it went down to nine vividly as i was a younger guy at the time and I remember what happened afterwards. So, so my first, my first thought when you're seeing this event, you know, the feeling for me was things are about to change. They're going to change drastically. And
2: when you say down to nine, you're talking either like 97, That would have been, yeah, yeah, about yeah. That
0: time frame, yeah, yeah. I remember sitting. I mean, it's kind of funny. I was, I was in Sugar Land at the time in, in a different role, but uh, you know, I vividly remember standing in the hallways and it was, it was shock for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, to watch that happen, right? And, I remember I interned when it was 12 dollars a barrel and the guy that I worked
2: for said, "Man, if we could just get back to 30, we'd be doing You'll great." Be <laughs> they were <laughs> yeah. they just wanted 30 dollars a barrel. They couldn't believe how low it was. Yeah. 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 So, all right, so we've caught yeah. up. Now you've you've kind of brought from the 89, 90 and then 99, nine, or 99 to 2000 time frame you've caught. it. So, I, it's interesting. You never went offshore. You were a land guy your entire career, Caleb?
4: Yeah, I was, the entire time. I, like I said, I was in the Permian Basin and then from there, when I took the other the new role with uh, Sanjel, moved to Denver, and and uh, you know I was there for 13, 14 years. Uh, so yeah, I, I would kind of want to
2: hear some of the stories, and I, David, jump in when you want to, here, or anybody. But I I bet it was interesting to see, you know, Midland Permian Basin in 2000, 2001 versus yes. two thousand six. <clears throat> yeah, when fracking really exploded.
4: That's right. Yeah.
2: I mean, what did that, what's the difference in the town and the oil feeling at that time? Oil field, I should say.
4: Yeah, well, I think the one of the biggest things was that that was an oil field that, you know, wasn't necessarily on the same 24 hour clock that we are today. You know, if you, were, if you were asked to work, you know, extended hours, that was one thing. But, you know, today, we, we, uh, we fracked 24 hours a day. Back then, you didn't. Mm. Um, the, the, you know, I lived in Hobbs. There was no, there was no infrastructure like we know it today. I mean, you know, (coughs) you think of just the development. I mean, I I still remember when uh, an Applebee's showed up and the entire town shut down to, you know, go out to dinner somewhere like like that, right? It was just, it was a completely different place uh, than today and and the massive uh, growth that they had to go through as, you know, Midland, Lubbock, Mm -hmm. Hobbs, you know, that greater area went through drastic change to accommodate all this growth over the last, you know, 15 years, so
3: interesting point The 24 the double tree was a little bit more fresh back then yeah Yeah. the Midland double tree yeah
0: but you know i I remember going i guess it been. i was just trying to think 1998 i was sent down i was still up in canada um sent down to do some acid foam foam acid jobs cool tubing type stuff and uh, it was it was relatively new technology at the time for some of the carbonates and being sent down there and there was nothing i mean the town was you know people would talk it was washed out it was done it's over I and mean, that was the kind of the communication it's it's how crazy to think back how Midland continues to survive right Yeah. You, you know what third fourth time right so
4: now it's the epicenter yeah yeah, yeah. that's it it's it's
2: incredible yeah <clears throat> yeah yep. i i graduated in 2000 right that's when i got out of college and you know fam- i'm from a family of oil field and nobody in my family wanted me to come into it just because there was no it was done it was done like i said 30, yeah, yeah. if we could just get back yeah. to 30 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And and I had such a kind of romantic view of it that I was like, I'll try it out, and I'm yeah. glad I did. But I also remember a a blow up preventer being our largest product in 2005, and then all of a sudden uh, 2006 we were selling more fluid ins than anybody, and I and nobody wanted to talk about a BOP anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, what's a fluid in? Like, what's a frac pump? Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> all we're that building. anybody wants to buy anymore. <laughs> and they were just as fast as you. And people were, you know, I don't know. And I do actually want. to, this is a
3: look how good I've.
2: I mean, we haven't done these in a while, but watch how good this segue is, ready? And then I remember a guy telling me if you could if you could get our fluid ends to a uh, thousand hours, we'll buy all of our fluid ends from mm-hmm. you. Ready? It just naturally transitions. Now you guys are fracking. If I were to tell you I can give you a thousand hours on your fluid end, you'd be like, just get out of my lobby. You, I imagine the technology development what you guys are doing with the Titan is just off the charts. What are what kind of technology development are you guys seeing in your in your fracking capabilities? Not I don't care about fluidance, I'm not worried yeah. about that as much just yeah. but it's just like what are you guys seeing like the developments from an 06 frac job to a 2021? Yeah. I mean it's just got to be night and day, right?
0: Yeah. I I I think to me it's a collision of you know reliability, you know by by the challenges we had in the industry, we have to find ways to do things more reliably cheaper, right? And that that spawns creativity, that spawned a lot of, you know, unconventional thinking to think, well we can't we can't accept these things. We can't pass that cost on to a client anymore. So um, to me that was the epitome for us to think about we gotta do things differently. And you know when I go back to 2017, that was one of the challenges. We were we were looking at this tier two fleet of equipment saying, man, that's not good enough, right? I mean, how are we gonna address this? Um, electric fleets were exciting things were but but i also think digitization i think about how we measure things and one of the one of the foundational things that i've learned a lot over the last three or four years is just measuring never accepting good enough always pushing ourselves and it's interesting when you think that's it that's the best i can do something mm-hmm. something else comes in and you just continue to evolve and i think that's that's what's exciting so what we're doing today on the technology front has been some of that it's it's been continuing to push the paradigm and uh finding different ways of doing it right yeah
1: so, yeah daniel energy partners in basin research you can trust a leading provider of u.s oil field research known for its original boots on the ground research approach as well as its famous barbecue events daniel energy partners utilizes both its extensive network of top oil field professionals and frequent in basin field tours to provide real-time market intelligence visit danielep.com for information Lockton Global Energy and Marine. Uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com.
3: Talk to us a little bit about the transition from Conventional equipment, which was largely legacy BJ to Titan now. Obviously, still quite a few of the same folks uh, come into play there, but you're dealing with a different type of uh, kit now, equipment wise, and it's smaller, less people on location, but still you have to have everybody, you know, walking and rowing in the same direction, I guess. So, talk to us about the, the Kind of the, what y'all's view on on uh, development of people and competency around around your business in general. And then I want to kind of talk about what y'all are doing at Titan because I think it's pretty cool stuff that y'all have developed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean Caleb is much closer to this today than I am. But I'll, I'll start off by saying that, it, you know, when we were looking, we, we didn't come out and say, look, Titan's the way we're going to go. That, that was never the intent. It was kind of, I'll be honest, we were, through trial and tribulation, we were very focused on, kind of the electric solution, um, you know, trying to really understand what's going on. We, we ultimately laid out a few key objectives that we wanted to, to achieve. We, we recognized, and you know, it goes back to my point about we had to change. We had to reduce the cost. We had to get better reliability. Um, people. People's always a challenge of continuing to track, retain, develop. Um, so you know, we wanted to make sure that we were doing things as well that kind of helped, helped evolve that, right? and so. As we went through a kind of an evaluation of the different technologies and outcomes, as we started checking, checking our objectives in, in terms of what we wanted to try to achieve, y- you know, the mechanical, the turbine technology, the direct drive had a lot of uh, uh, you know, attractive pieces to it that we felt like that was the way to go. On the people side, you know, as I think about equipment, there's, there's two, two facets of it. As, as we thought about the equipment, you know, the, the way we thought about it was we need to solve power first. Like, what is the best alternative for power? You know what comes into that is fuel cost. It's uh, the emissions profile. It's a number of things. Mobility, right? I mean, there's things that, you know, just by saying power that that encompasses a lot. As you think through that, then, you know, I go to pump reliability. Josh, Josh laughs about fluid ends. I was sick and tired of seeing trailer loads of cracked fluid ends going out of our yards and thinking about the costs associated. With that he likes it. I didn't like it, right? But uh, at the time we were thinking through, how do we how do we get that better? How do we, you know? Is there better designs, better things? And we're continuing to evolve that. That's that's an interesting point. Than the people so as you think about the skill sets that you want to build and skill sets that are easy to deploy without having to retrain your entire workforce that's such an important factor and then the whole safety piece of it too you know as i think about making sure we're minimizing and always minimizing what we expose our people to and how to make this a fun a fun business that it's not it's not about the grind. Mm-hmm. It's
4: about wanting to be here and wanting to participate and having fun doing it. That that was part of what yeah. we thought through this as well, right? So yeah, and I mean, in general, David. I mean, I think on the, the people at, at the end of the day that you know we went through this analysis of the equipment piece, but if you don't have a team that is all like-minded, you know, um, you're not going to win. And and I think you know, being in the service business, it's it's the most crucial piece of our business, um, and it's the most difficult part of our business, mm-hmm. right? And, and people in general they want to win and I think you know in being many many different companies doing it a lot of different ways I think it can get very complex in our industry because there are so many standards there are so many rules that you know and you know you have your own then you're you know you're working for different clients they have their own so really starting BJ services we started from a playbook that we built and again I, I mentioned we we incubated some things in the past and and it was really creating uh, uh, collective mindfulness around how we were going to do things. And we felt like if we could simplify this, you know, boil it down to where, you know, people can use simple tools and practices to achieve what we we're trying to achieve, you know, you win. And so, you know, we we took on this this uh, these principles of high reliability organizations, you know, uh, organizations that are in complex and and high risk environments that. You know, consistently perform safely and efficiently day in and day out, like airlines, uh, nuclear submarines, and it's like if you could take that and apply it to the oil field, you know, you win. And so we had some uh, some uh, a team member specifically that Warren recruited many many years ago that um, you know was Canadian military and and in military uh, firefighting they use a lot of these same principles. So. We, we developed a program around high reliability organizations. We figured out how to operationalize it, give your crews in the field simple but um, you know straightforward tools that they could use and and it's all about this idea of, of continuous improvement but it's how you operationalize. That's one thing yeah. to say it but it's how do you get your whole team saying it's never good enough and you know um, being very critical of our performance on, on a task basis, a 12hour basis, so you can get better, right? And so that's that's really, um, I would say, as much as the equipment has, has led to our success, our crews today in the field, you know, having that kind of core um, is really what's helping us win.
3: Yeah, let's talk about continuous improvement. I think uh, that's a that's a concept that not a lot of people get. And I think you guys, again, being observant to what you guys are doing, you know engineered solutions around equipment design i've watched y'all be very thoughtful there and what y'all have done whether it's you know redesigning your missile or or you know the titan pump itself and continuous improvement there but talk about what y'all have been doing also <clears throat> and a lot of folks who are are, are kind of there and get, trying to get there but from a uh, monitoring perspective and the KPIs y'all are paying attention to, not only for your own benefit but for the benefit of your customers, so they understand what's happening in real time. Talk. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah
0: sorry. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, Warren mentioned it earlier. I mean, first and foremost, you've kind of got to lay out your criteria of you know what are you trying to achieve, and mm-hmm. and it's so crucial to to have kind of a, you know be aligned with your client. So that's really where we start. Uh, and then you know we've we've put together a number of, of ways that we monitor uh, that performance on a on a uh, second by second, minute by minute type basis. And you know if you measure, you can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you know as a part of our HRO, you know we have you know one of the the principles is, is um, you know preoccupation with failure. So we're always looking at what went wrong, not what went right. And so when you get the whole team being really critical of themselves and Forcing themselves to look at what do we need to improve upon, you get better. Um, so, you know, you kid us all the time. We're not out there waving our flag because we got too many other things to improve upon. Right. And um, so anyways, that, I would say that is kind of a, a kind of a high arching, uh, you know, thesis of how, how we go about it.
2: You, yeah. know. you know, you talked about and, and I'm only bringing this up because it's, I think it's a broader view of how like I don't want fluid ends getting trucked off, because that means if any any person, David included, if any vendor, any service, any customer, partner, whatever you want to view it as, doesn't have the end goal in mind, mm-hmm. then and, and I'm really speaking to you guys, to your yeah. customers, then we're all screwed yeah. at some point. And ultimately, yeah. the industry's in trouble, right? Because then the industry's gonna be too high price, it's not gonna be clean enough, there's not gonna be enough ESG development, there's not gonna be enough, Personnel development. That like there's if we don't view the things you're describing as we're all in this together, mm-hmm. yeah. then we're we're all doomed to sink together anyway. Sure. I think that's one of that we off camera. You know, we were talking about why is this podcast even here? This podcast mm-hmm. is here to talk about this exact subject from from leaders like yourselves to where you know we've you know I've I have been lucky enough to get to know you guys over the last couple of years, and this is not something that you're talking about because you're on camera. Mm-hmm. This is. What you guys talk about? Mm-hmm. I've I know the military guy you're talking about from Canada. I, I've I've actually toured your facility up in Conroe, and yeah, you know, and I've I've seen how you guys are doing this. So this is something that you guys are actively doing. And I, and you know when you talk about the costs that you can no longer pass on to your, or, you know that can't be. What does that look like? I mean, do you, are you openly having these discussions with your? I mean, I don't want to get too much into your 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 sales calls, but I mean, how active? Are these conversations like? Look, we're going to partner with our entire value chain. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, is that something that's
0: openly yeah. discussed? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's become core. It's, it's again, it goes back to my point around we had. you know, When you think about what we've gone through the last couple of years, we had to change. I mean, that's is it, do or die. So as we came out of, you could almost with all yeah. respect, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. You could almost say the, the broader we, we the industry. That's the industry. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, I <laughs> excuse me, I make a joke about. In, but yeah it's exactly having those conversations and working together we one of the things i like to say with a lot of our partners and suppliers and, and you know i call them partners not not suppliers but is having those open conversations and solving together like we're not we're not the smart guys in the room we're not going to come and tell people how to do the business i want to share in the challenge and let's figure out the solution together and we we've formed a lot of relationships that way with with a lot of our core partners and uh, i think that's partly what i'm excited about today it, it took us three years, four years of working through this, as we thought about the technology and, and how we're going to improve and looking at all the different facets of it. And I think we're in a really, I'm excited, right? I'm excited about what is yet to come. Even more so the responsiveness, as it's your point about we, it's the, we've got so many great partners now working with us, collaborating, and it's something we just continue to reinforce mm-hmm. in our team. Um, I, I will not sitting in a meeting, allow my people to talk down to a partner. It's, uh, we, we're we solving together and it's, that's just that's just the reality. We have to make that change, right? So
4: and part of that, the partner is your <coughs> client, right? I mean, yeah, we, we uh, you know we're so excited about this new technology that you know David's alluded to. Um, it, it, it's ne- it would never have been successful if you didn't have the the right client. We had the right client that had that long term view, like we did. It's like you're going to have challenges. You're going to get punched in the face, mm-hmm. right? And but it's how do you keep rolling with it and keep evolving? And I mean, you know, clients are as equally as as important as the actual, you know, the suppliers that, that help us along for, the way.
0: Probably the word we should use more is transparency. It's just creating transparency, yep. right? What does yeah. is, is yeah. the,
2: the customer, client, partner, however you want to view it, uh, on the above you look today versus 24 months ago? Because <laughs> you talk about we've had a change. What, yeah. is, what do they look like today?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, we, we've got a lot of them. And I think that, that I think probably the the key word is just collaboration. You know, as Warren said, we're, we're trying to solve for something different today. And you know, it's not just going out there and, and trying to do it as quickly as you can and as and low cost as you can. It's, it's how do you get, it's that combination of, of cost, reliability, environmental, you know, impact, footprint. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of these other things that you're trying to solve for. And at the end of the day, they need to produce oil and gas as efficiently as possible. And there's a manner in which we do that today that has really taken center stage.
3: Well, I think several of the long-term contracts y'all have recently been awarded and negotiated as a testament to that kind of collaborative partnership with your customers, unlike on a call out or MSA by MSA basis, you know, which the business historically is, is operated off of. You know, there's no guarantee that you're gonna, one have the business or not get kicked off. And of course there's nothing, Necessarily ironclad, but y'all've got some, y'all have got some pretty good contracts with your customers, and you've got customers that that seem to be, um, you know, collaborating with you. Because if if you win, they win.
2: Listen, I can. If this question's too much. Just let me know. But I mean, you know, as you've come through what we've come through in the industry, how are? I'm, I just can't get over as you're talking about these the NP guys and these different companies above. That that you know their interest is their interest is producing oil and they there's so much pressure on them right there's a lot of publicity on those guys really more so than our and our being the oilfield services sector of the world right although a lot of technology and development comes from our sector we don't get as much credit for it mm-hmm. as probably deserved what how are you being viewed now are you are you turning the tide of how. Is there a technology twist that they're starting to see in you that maybe wasn't viewed before? Is, it, is that taking hold? Yeah, I mean, is you know, that a fair question? It's, to it's ask? a fair
0: question. I mean, but again, I go back to the asset base. Just to over, maybe oversimplify. They, there, was, there was a time when, when volumes volumes mattered. You know, scale, availability, um, footprint. Um, that was I would say kind of 2017 to 2020. That was certainly, you know, part of the challenge was how do you build? How do you keep up? How do you sustain? Um, I'd say today that's less, that's less important. Um, I, think, I think the efficiencies and, and focus um, and addressing the bigger and broader issues, and the broader issues, let's face it, are ESGs. all these other things that are coming at us now, right? And so um, as I think about where we sit vis-a-vis where we were in the past, I would probably say we spend more time today. It's not about, you know, commercial terms gets you into the door but there's other discussions now. It's about the efficiencies, about the emissions profile. It's There's a number of things that are on the table we never quite frankly talked about in the past. Right. right? Um, so so it's a very, very different view as I see it. I'm not saying it's the same for everyone, but f- certainly where we are, we're small. I mean, we've kind of re- reformed here, but I would say those are the conversations we're having, right? Um, you have to be economic to play the game, but after that there's other att- attributes our, our customers look for, right? So,
3: Talk to us a little bit about kind of you know what a conventional frack spread would look like you know the pumps and the blenders and the missile and all you know the flow iron all that kind of stuff compared to what titan is today because i think most people when they think of frack they just see a location just littered with equipment and hoses and stuff going around not that not that it's uh it's it's a working environment that doesn't have a lot of moving parts and pieces all the time but titan tightens things up quite mm. a bit you mm. know Talk to us a little bit about that, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think as uh, you know, I think about the, the that's soul. good, by the way. Titan Titan things up. Titan, Titan. <laughs> that's yeah.
3: good.
0: Yeah. The uh, yeah, I think I think we're for gonna get that the trademark before we <laughs> <gonna laughs> get <laughs> a lot to yeah. Before t- we leave. TM yeah. it right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, as I think about David, you know, and I said there's a lot of things we we ask ourselves a lot of hard questions, and and uh, you know, there's there, you know, I'll, I'll call it attractive. You know, you look at all the different nuances and things that people are pitching. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, we had to ask ourselves a lot of hard questions around you know truly evaluate kind of what's out there how do we how do we package it together there's nothing innovative in terms of the components it's the packaging it's how do we approach it you know thinking about the design the layout um so we were fortunate enough to 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 work with a couple different partners on that front but we continue to evolve and improve upon it and that's that's where we got to so to your point the packaging is like you know, as I think about, it, is the mobility just less stuff? It's less pieces. It's less exposure, right? Um, you know, forget about the cost of capital, which is one of the main drivers we we thought about. Um, but it's all the other opportunities to reduce and and, and uh, minimize waste, minimize handling, minimize you know the number of personnel that are out there. Not from the standpoint that uh, we don't want to create jobs. It's more how do I minimize and, and create a safer working environment? And again, people having fun. It's it's less hard labor, more Innovation around how we can do things easier, simple. Um, that's that's what we try to do: is, is simplify the operations. You know, as I think about all the different options that we had available to us, you know, even think about the forms of a simple thing like mechanical, mechanical connecting energy from an engine source to to the pump. I mean, that's you know, mechanical transfer is pretty simple. Um, Vis-à-vis going through electrical systems and everything else. And there's there's a lot of complexities that we we really weighed out. I mean, what what's the true benefit of these things? And so. That's ultimately what drove us to, to, yeah. the, to the, the outcome, right? And uh, we're gonna continue to evolve. We're not done. There's um, a lot of work. We, we focus on the pump design. Um, we're working on the backside. We're continuing to look look at that as well. We're looking at the handling. How do we reduce all the other impacts to carbon trucking and handling and the rest of it? So I, I'm excited. Like I said, we, uh, we feel like we're
4: in chapter one here right now, right? So Yeah, and I mean, you, you talk about frack, and you think about frack, you think big. You think, trim- like you said, a lot of equipment. And I think that's what's really exciting when you go to one of our frac sites today, and and you're you just get this feeling like this is this feels small. It just doesn't feel like we're capable of doing the same thing that we did before with all that other equipment. But you are, um, you know, in frac even conventional frac today is changing. I mean, you know, your typical job you have 18 to. 22 pumps on location and and even that is is being tested you know our our clients are thinking about how how do you do things differently and now you know instead of fracking one well at a time you know some are thinking about how do we frack two at the same time or even three at the same time so then you think about your horsepower requirements and you know there's potential for them to double you know a number of leading operators that push that up where you could need 30 or 40 pumps on location it's a great idea right beautiful idea yeah yeah, Says especially the man when you're manufacturing fluid ends. <laughs> yeah, but now if you look at you look at Titan instead of a 20 pump spread, you know we can essentially do that with eight eight pumps on location, and so you know we're we're reducing our terrible pump. idea. Yeah, terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> big pumps, big pumps. Oh. Bigger, bigger fluid ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we're cutting that in half, David, and and so that's pretty exciting. You know, when yeah. you go out and you see how much footprint is really required to put the the same. Uh, capability on location uh, with half the iron. What, what do you mean it feels like we're in chapter one? What does that mean? I feel, I feel like we've,
0: you know, like I said, we our first, Our first. I guess, priority or focus was the pump design. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you, you know, let's talk about fluid ends and power ends today. That's technology that evolved from being driven by a diesel pump in the 1940s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's changed, right, in the, in the fundamentals? So, as we are thinking about different ways to power, and th- I think this also, for electric fleets could be something similar. You know, rethinking the whole the whole chain again, like the, the mechanics of it. Uh, is there a different way to design a pump for the amount of torque or power that you have available um, and re again, continue to optimize. So when I say chapter one, although we got a basic pump design, there's still components that can evolve. And I think the opportunity that we've afforded ourselves in thinking about how we approach this is actually our design teams today. We have our own engineering team and, and they're working hard. Add everything from the backside to electrification to um, demanding you know automation um, incorporating a lot of the, the technologies that exist today and using in other industries but even on on component design itself there's areas that I think we can significantly improve to reduce operating costs increase li- reliability and reduce footprint we're you know working on confidentially some some technology today we think we can take it from eight pumps to six and still have the same output right so there's things that continue to evolve and will will continue to evolve, right? So,
2: Well, I mean, I, I have been lucky enough to see some of this in person. And, yeah. and to David's point, it is, it's unique. I mean, mm-hmm. it does look different. It does mm-hmm. feel different. And again, to David's point, if, you, you know, Caleb, you kind of said that, and I can see, I can hear David saying, you know, what are you guys doing to kind of promote this? How are you getting that message? Are you just going... Yeah are you you're both sh- not they're on the radio <laughs> yeah, or podcast yeah. they're both yeah. shaking their head no I mean we're, we're really bad at LinkedIn and stuff right
4: so <laughs> okay
0: I don't I mean frankly I'm this is not yeah, our I mean,
4: culture right? I, I think yeah. to your point Josh and and I'm sure having a marketing company I promise on us
0: but
2: <laughs> I, I promise <laughs> I don't I because it is because I remember seeing it the first time going this is this is totally different that. yeah this is but totally different I think, different.
3: That, I think yeah. that was somewhat strategic on y'all's part though too I mean you gotta you know Everybody, you know, is kind of dealing with some some tough times, COVID, and this that, and the other. And then, of course, you know, not to not to hide the elephant in the room, kind of the shift between yep. BJ and, you know, mm-hmm. the the inertia you had there and this opportunity to kind of retool and move forward.
2: I remember there being a the ability to transfer from nat gas to electric instantly correct in
0: it to no diesel. from diesel from i'm from sorry diesel. from nat gas to diesel yeah. dude, without a loss yeah like yeah one of the things we want to do you know, as, as we're evolving then you know the availability of natural gas on site so you know as we power these fleets we have we have the option to use lng cng but that brings additional costs transportation handling of of gas ideally that you know the best state for us is to be pulling field gas um off the location, off a, an adjacent location, and so we are, our whole design ra- was around that. The problem becomes um, reliability. Um, so, if you have a gas interruption, are you g- am I going to shut down the whole job and screen out, and you know have an impact to my client? So, as we thought about this, this was you know I talked about the checklist. This was another one that how do we create that backup? And so, as we were looking at different turbine technologies and looking at different options, what was becoming very apparent to us is that. Having having a dual fuel situation where for a period of time uninterrupted, if we get a gas interruption, we can flip on the fly under power Mm -hmm. to to you know we have these little we call them day tanks little saddle tanks on the unit that we can at least finish a job or go to flush or you know you know get ourselves yeah fix the gas issue. It gives us about a one hour residence time, which is really important. You think about that, right? I have a gas interruption, and we've seen it. We've seen it firsthand in a couple of big events. You, you get a slug of fluid or something happens downstream that mm-hmm. you're not even aware of um, our, our ability to kind of switch on the fly and not disrupt the job is really important. It goes back to ability. So, so we have a
2: huge audience. Yeah. We, have, uh, we believe it's the largest in the world oil and gas. I mean it's a big audience. It's 100, mm-hmm. Almost 150 countries. That to me are, is
0: that a unique thing to BJ Energy? That, that ability to do that? As far as I know on, on the direct drive, mechanical drive I think we're the only ones applying it today. I don't think the technology is that unique. I think how we package it, I think the other area that we really spent a lot of time is the, the automation, the system, the the, the control systems. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you automate that? Because what you w- don't want to run into a situation where there's an individual on the end of the, the control making that decision. This this has to be instantaneous, right? Um, so how do you, you know, using machine learning and now we're evolving to AI, elements of AI that actually takes that, that decision point and ha- how do you harmonize a fleet? How do you, How do you optimize a fleet to have the best emissions profile the best operating time you know considering maintenance and considering all the other inputs to everything we do every day every every single minute so it's not just about the mechanics it's about the people it's about the the digitization it's all the technologies that we're we're, uh well i'm gonna i'm gonna
2: challenge you two on that i think that if we're gonna get we're gonna get a bunch out of this this podcast but i think that particular offering is so cool so unique that I just remember the the just the power behind it was such that I remember you're like the now ramp. watch this yeah. and nothing I remember it being a jarring moment and nothing moving different yeah. and and I remember thinking that seems really revolutionary mm. to be able to pull field gas, not a loss of power and then it keeps moving yeah so I think that's something that, you know, yeah. how you guys choose to tell that story is another story, but I hope yeah. that you guys get the opportunity to tell.
3: Yeah, The technology that comes out of the oil field is pretty damn impressive, yeah. mm-hmm. no matter who it is yeah. and yeah. Who's, who's producing it. But uh, I think y'all do have some unique advantages in, in, in your approach with customers and truly building a system that's built for mm-hmm. them
0: mm-hmm.
3: and having the ability to continually improve that and challenge yourself. Because there's always room for improvement. Mm. Uh, look at yeah. look at me. Uh, yeah, and,
4: and I think part of that is the the differentiation is that you know one of the pieces that you know we really kept that we felt like was our kind of our golden nugget was our engineering capability, our in-house engineering yeah. capability. And and there's tremendous su- suppliers out there today in the industry, but but having your own team, kind of internal, uh, that has you know. Oil field services in their background and they understand what happens in the field um, has allowed us to make changes on the fly to innovate to get to this point. and then certainly really where it, it closes the response time is when you have challenges, that team is right there to to fix and go and, and we've seen some amazing things that we're super proud of around our engineering team is because of the Titan it's, it's, it's innovative, right it, we didn't it didn't come off the shelf. I mean this mm-hmm. is the engineering team that work with other suppliers to get it where it is today but it's it's how fast you can react you know to keeping the the crew operational and and that's what our engineering team provides us so
3: one question i've got for you guys in, in the way you think about your business you know you work for the operators the EMP companies and as do a lot of other service companies the EMP companies with the exception of you really don't do anything other than they find the find the land they secure the capital and they come to you guys and say these are our plans help us execute we want you to execute at the best possible pricing we can achieve you know blah 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 so with all that being said you know they're under a lot of pressure not only to uh, show return to their shareholders but they're also under a lot of pressure to address environmental impact and a big uh, area discussion is emissions uh, which i think I just got to plug it and say governance is what drives good corporate behavior whether it's talking about social aspects of the business or environmental aspects of the business but all that being said talk to us about emissions there there are a lot of folks peer companies you know um, equipment manufacturers packagers fabricators that are that are you making a lot of statements around emissions profile and how they're measuring emissions. How do you guys think about emissions and how how emissions are measured, not historically from a conventional fleet perspective, but really talking about Titan. How do y'all how do y'all think about that? Do you have any yeah, I, th-
4: I think it's a good question, David. I mean, um, you know, it, it really starts back into the fundamental basis of our equipment design. And it was, you know, one of the objectives as we laid things out, you know, your end goal of of having a, a fleet that, you know, meets a lot of, t- of today's ESG goals and frankly, tomorrow's ESG goals stems from how you design the equipment. And, you know, we took that into consideration. And so when Warren talked about putting these different components together and ultimately deciding on the route of of direct drive mechanical, uh, transfer of energy. Um, you know, it really started there because you really have to think about, you know, a lot of different aspects. And I think that's, you know, some of the challenge today is, is everyone's learning around ESG and and how you calculate, you know, your total CO2 equivalent or, you know, you're talking GHG, talking non GHG, um, a a lot of these different attributes, right and so really it goes back there's there's a lot that goes into it you can't simplify this and so it starts with the the basic fuel that you using, and what type of fuel you know are you using diesel are you using kerosene are you using natural gas you know it starts there so that's a key component um, and then you have to take into account how you transfer that energy you know and so with every transfer of energy how you generate it to you know that end state where you need to apply it there's different things that happen, and so you can lose power along the way, so which may change the amount of fuel you need to burn. And so we also took that into consideration because you you know you want to minimize the power losses when you transfer that efficient you know that, that energy. And so direct drive mechanical is one way, um, you know, diesel reciprocating engines are another way, um, you know, and then you have electric, you know, which is you know some of the other. But there's a lot of other power losses that you have to go through. And then it's the whole, you know, that's that's one piece. Then you have to look at what are the operating conditions, you know, because operating conditions change uh, the emissions profile and elevation, temperature, uh, rate, idle time, um, and then ultimately the way that the equipment is configured and how it's put together. And 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 you know, there isn't really one silver bullet for every single operating condition, right? Uh, and so what we tried to do is we tried to look at that in, in entirety and say. How do we address the majority of the major, you know, oil and basin, oil, oil and gas basins in North America? And so ultimately, it drove us down this direction. I think to answer your question, so we 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 did all the early calculations, um, but then we got to this point. It was, you know, we're we're really going all in on this, and and we're kind of the loner out there. And this is very innovative, and you know, we're not buying this off the shelf. So we got to make sure you know this is the right way. So ultimately, we stepped back, and was it April? It was well, yeah, April of, of this year, and we just decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna test it, and we're gonna do actual emissions profile testing. And so, um, we ended up hiring a, a third party um, uh, group that specializes in this. We don't have this, speci- you know, we don't we don't know this, and we brought it, brought them in to do uh, both GHG and non-GHG te- testing. Uh, we wanted to understand the the emissions through the whole cycle, whole horsepower profile of our engines, you know, from idle all the way to high horsepower because you gotta know it all because you're in a real operating cycle. You go through all these different phases. Um, And we wanted to understand it on diesel because that's our contingency fuel and we wanted to understand it on natural gas. And so ultimately we brought them in to do a whole um, test. Um, And to do that, we, we also decided that, you know, what we're comparing to our OEM specifications are really in a perfect environment, you know, this is what the engine will do and sometimes removing parasitic losses and some of these things that drive you know worse emissions so in order to to really you know put ourselves a test we took a commercialized unit right out of the field we brought it to the testing center didn't touch it let them hook up all of the apparatuses and and tested it and um we're extremely pleased with what we found our our results were actually better than what we expected and and so with that, we've, we've now gone to the lengths of putting together a emission calculator so that we can put this right into our program and, and ultimately our goal is to be able to monitor these emissions real time.
3: So you can provide that data in real time to a client, but certainly on yeah. a per job basis or stage basis or yeah, we, we, we look quarterly at or annually? Yeah, or we
0: want to emulate different conditions like Caleb said, whether you're operating the permian, you're dealing with higher altitudes, higher temperatures, depending on the season. Um, has, has a, a direct effect to the performance of the turbine, the emissions, that type of thing. So we've taken all that into consideration. We're, we're, I'll put a plug in now, but we're, um, we're going to publish a white paper that just really talks to the math. Um, we're trying to, to debunk um, a lot of you know, inf- information out there today and p- how people use information to, to the best outcome. All we're doing is we're just trying to show, here's the math. That's been further validated by actual emissions testing. Um, and we do the comparisons, and it's it's a straightforward process. So as Caleb said, I don't believe we have the silver bullet. You know, there are, there are other competing technologies, but I believe that when I think about its applicability in a broader form, it's very attractive in most cases, right? And so as we continue to evolve and, and optimize that, I think that's where we're leading to, right, so.
2: You know, Caleb said something, the tomorrow's ESG goals Mm-hmm. it's funny to think about that i mean because esg came on pretty quickly to a lot of people yeah, yeah. where it was a reactionary thing to to some yeah. groups and now it's taken hold it's a it's widely accepted it's it's here it is what it is and it's it's been great really to yeah for the industry but you know that's the first time i've heard it called tomorrow's esg goals that
4: yeah
0: because it's changing yeah well yeah. and i actually want to touch on that because you know it's, it's interesting when you see people talk about esg today and Again, it's a misunderstanding of around GHG or CO2e is that inclusive of methane or not? You know, I find it I find it alarming that we're discounting methane. I mean, methane to me is is the next hurdle. How do we address that as well? And today, when you talk about EPA compliance, it doesn't consider methane. Um, there's other challenges with that. So we're 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 stepping. You mean, back the governmental
3: organization did not fully contemplate all that these is, things. You know, okay.
0: I'm a, I'm a I'm a guest. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But. Uh, yeah, to me, to me, we have to look at the the broad picture, and that's that's what we've been trying yeah. to address, right? So, yeah.
3: yeah, I think it's interesting, though, and I think the the one <laughs> David David will get us
2: in trouble <laughs> on this kind of stuff before it. We <laughs> we we yeah, huh? that was a, no, a non political. No, no, you're you're great, you're great. It's a you know, fair I, question. I try
3: to make apolitical statements. That's right. If it's if it's really common we, sense, <laughs> which is uncommon these days. But, Victoria yeah.
2: has. We have a, a red yeah. button to Victoria. Uh, beard at that piper. Yeah, she just hits the red button and it just shuts us down. And that was and it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's our conscience. There
0: so. you
3: go. Right? Yeah, Victoria. We have a love hate relationship <laughs> with, but we really love Victoria. But one thing I want to go on and say, when you think about the, when you think about your business, and I think about where you guys came from, largely Schlumberger, and and in a number of these larger companies for the longest time, you know, there was a concept called HS&E, and then it moved. We threw a Q in there. So, you know, this whole concept of ESG has been in in the forefront of a lot of companies' minds for years. The one thing that they've escaped from, uh, somewhat intentionally, I would say, and maybe dubiously, is the G part, the governance part. Because to your point, if you're not measuring it, you can't get better. And sometimes mm-hmm. some people are scared to measure it because, you know, it's not moving as fast enough or it doesn't fit the narrative, this, that, and the other. So... Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of ways this has been good for the industry to a, to mm-hmm. a degree, because um, it certainly brought the discussion of this to the forefront and allows us as an industry to talk about the fact that hey, as Caleb said earlier, <clears throat> I love the outdoors and I know you do too, Warren. It's like we don't want to destroy the mm-hmm. the world that we live in, mm-hmm. but we we have a certain level of expectation for our modern life that we want to keep going. So. I applaud you guys for, for what you're doing and what you've done uh, and continue to do in terms of trying to provide us oil and gas in a very cost effective and, and and safe manner because uh, we need it. It's going to be around for, we for all do, quite yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. Where, so where are a, you guys operating
0: right now? So yeah, we're, we, um, we, chose, we chose the Haynes bill um, more from the standpoint of infrastructure, you know, it's a natural gas use product. Mm-hmm. Um, have, we have a very strong clientele. I can't say enough about you know, the support we've had from our clients as well. So it just seemed like it was the right environment. It's one of the harshest environments. Yeah, it is. Um, so we, we felt like putting equipment, you know, direct drive turbine technology, as I said, it, it started in the 60s Dowell I think was around 1966, operated in East Texas, mm-hmm. um, sorry, West Texas with, uh, I have an interesting news article, but as you think the evolution of that, people have attempted it in the past and there's been kind of mixed results. So we felt like there was a, one of the hurdles we wanted to overcome is testing an environment that we could disprove or, or basically get confidence around the equipment design itself. And so Haynesville became that, that market, right? And, and we've had tremendous success. We've grown quickly. Um, you know, we do have an opportunity now. We're growing into Canada. Um, Permian, I get asked the question all the time. What about the Permian? You can't, you can't ignore it. No, you can't. Um, we just felt like we needed to get grounded. We needed to stay focused. Um, Permian is definitely, you know where we want to be. Uh, we can't get back there quick enough, but uh, I think we just want to evolve here a little bit further than where did, we are. Did personnel
2: decisions have anything to do with that? I mean, Haynesville versus no. Permian. I mean, just because I know it's hard to get people. No,
0: but again, you know, the the Permian, we, we made a decision to, you know, not to go there in a, in a downturn. We had great people, and there's still great people we talked to and are in connection with today to go back. Um, it was just it was just a difficult environment. I think with the over abundance of equipment there, the oversupply. Mm-hmm. The pricing, yeah. it was really difficult to go in there and say, "Look, I got something shiny new. Pay me, pay me yeah. more, right?" So um, it was just a battleground. I felt like we didn't need to go to yet, right? So when is chapter two? I think we're entering. I mean, I think I think we're. Is, uh, is this a part of
2: chapter two? I don't mean to be funny about it, but is, yeah, it's only you know, I mean, kind of coming out like this part of chapter two. Yeah,
0: I, I saw I saw some stuff the other day. You know, I always joke about LinkedIn and that with David, and you know how much I like these podcasts and stuff. right? <laughs> but uh, you know, I called David up quite frankly and said, "I feel like now." you know we've got we've got great success we've got you know we got some contracts signed up we're we're moving forward we're we're building out fleets i felt like, yeah let's let's get our story out there a little bit more and All again right. we're yeah. we're very focused on what we want to do we're very humble there's a lot there's a lot we don't know yet but i think we're at a place that i feel comfortable to start start to explore you know and tell our story more right so well, when you explode, we're going to take all the credit for it. Yeah, just so you know
2: yeah. that. We're, I think we've learned was, that's
0: one thing exploded. <laughs> we're not planning on that. Wrong word. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you get popular, <laughs> we'll just me. not explode. Slow, when <laughs> you, steady.
2: Pace. Well, either way, we just like to take credit
0: for <laughs> people's uh, efforts. Yeah. That's we're very good at that. Yeah. Now, I appreciate it. you guys and you know, listed your your stuff too. So I, I think uh, you guys are doing a great job of helping tell the stories.
2: Do you hear? They said I'm doing a great job.
0: There yeah, right. he did yeah. say you're doing a great job. I him credit. Well, it's so, all right. So we're
2: going to wind this down here. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we like to do to our guests or for our guests is give them a moment uh, to. So, like, not everyone's going to get an hour with you guys, right, individually or otherwise. And it is it's a it's a gift, quite honestly. I mean, there's a mentorship that goes along with podcasts. That it's truly, I mean, not just this podcast, but really any of these that that are good and quality quality produced. There's a lot of information that people can have access to that they didn't have access to. So. I view podcasts as just an, I don't even really know, just kind of like a, a lunch with a guy or a girl that you can learn from. So one of the things that we like to ask is, you know, is there a pearl of wisdom, a piece of, you know, advice that you would give, you know, 20 year, 30 year ago, uh, ago, Caleb or, or Warren, um, that you would give yourself that piece of advice or somebody that's not going to ever get an hour with you um, that you would like to, and Caleb, you're going to go, we'll give you first dibs here because he has 30 years of Wisdom to go through. You only have twenty. <laughs> so, is there yeah. something that you would give yourself um, to, to say? This is something that I think is worth keeping in the forefront.
4: Yeah. Well, after what we've been through in the last uh, many years, I think the one of the key things that we've learned is just that you know we kind of had a, a vision for where we wanted to go, and I think even if you don't, you 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 believe in something, and uh, I think that you just got to keep at it and. And whether it was what we went through, you know, two years ago, or what we go through on a daily basis, things don't go to plan all the time, right? And I think that you just got to keep, you just got to keep going forward. You got to keep, you know, innovating um, and problem solving. And uh, you know, everybody gets knocked down. Not, it's not just some people. Everybody gets knocked down. It just, it's just how you, how you react, how you respond that, that make the difference between you and maybe somebody else. So.
3: Yeah, success looks a lot like failures. I Mm say. Yeah.
4: Yeah. No. I real quick. I'm sorry. Did you? Did
2: you? um, Were your parents instrumental in that? Grant, like, where did that? Everybody get knocked? Gets knocked down. Is that just something that life threw at you that you've learned that lesson, or is that something you came up really being instilled in you at a young age? Well,
4: I I think. I mean, I've been extremely fortunate. I've been around a lot of other great leaders. Uh, I've been around great companies. I mean. um, you know, I, things can go really, really well for a long time. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you can find yourself on the wrong side of, you know, something that happens. I mean, shoot, I think COVID, you know, probably dealt a lot of people, a lot of blows. And I guarantee you there's, there's some companies that don't exist today. And then there's others that found a way through, you know, no matter what, you know, they were dealt, they figured out a, a path through it. And maybe they don't even look like how they did, they do, you know, before. I think we're a great example of that. We. We uh, we looked remarkably different, you know, prior to March of of last year. Um, You know, but, you know, as Warren said it, I I look at where we are now. I couldn't be prouder of the team, um, the group, uh, you know, the product that we're delivering, the partners, our clients that we have. Couldn't be couldn't be prouder. And if you would have asked me, you know, would you be here a year ago? (laughs) I guarantee you that, you know, that might not have been my answer. So that's awesome. All right. Wrap us up here. What
2: uh, what pearl of wisdom or piece of advice would you
0: give yourself well, I, mean, or, I, mean, I, I or others? Maybe that's why we hit it off. I mean, a lot of what Caleb said, is, you know, I hold true as well. I, I think for me, sometimes it's it's stepping back and make making sure you step back and reevaluate. Um, a lot of times you can get you can get far down a path and uh, not challenge yourself. Look in the mirror, ask the right questions, ask the hard questions. Um, you know, gut instinct for me is it's something that I feel like sometimes if it feels wrong maybe it is and uh it, it's okay to take a pause and rethink and i wish a couple of times in my past that that you know i would say i wish i would have done it right and uh, did you feel it yeah. at the moment that when you, upon further review you're like man i i felt it then yeah I, I think in the last in our last chapter i think i felt it early on um unfortunately we got into a place that we then had to fight out of it and i think you know we're doing a great job getting there it's, you know the market wasn't there and and, you know the again the situation changed so got punched in the face right um but i think you know looking back um people to me i i I wear a lot when i think about the impact to others and and probably to a fault sometimes um making decisions around that too but i think you know just ask the hard questions just take the time step back something you know don't get so so zeroed in on something you miss the obvious right ask
2: yourself the hard questions yeah okay
0: yeah I think it's really important. I think that's a, that's a hard, easier than it sounds, right? To step back and, and look at, hey, am I on the right right path here, right? So, I was yeah. the the way I translate that to myself is you can't
2: you cannot lie to yourself. Yeah, you can lie to other people, but if you lie yeah, to yourself, yeah. you're in real trouble. Yeah,
0: exactly,
3: exactly. So. I was I was yeah. thinking you were going to say something like uh, if you're going to buy a a uh, pontoon boat, don't go with just three hundred horsepower. <laughs> go with six hundred. Double
2: down. It's redundancy. It's redundancy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Double down. Well, so I, I kind of want to send one of the other things we do is offer people you know this is going to get a lot of world exposure here. I would send people to your website so but it's a holding page at
0: the moment. yeah it's not, it's not very fancy. we're getting there. Okay um, we, one of the things when we, when we were true to ourselves and we, we entered this, I'll, I'll just say that we, we told ourselves we are not going to fall into the traps again. We're going to keep, keep ourselves at a size that we can we can stomach another. Uh, difficult market, and we're going to hold true to that. So, we had to prioritize and things, building websites, and all the fancy stuff. We've, okay, yeah, we're working on it now. So, we'll, we'll turn it on soon. Um, next couple of weeks, we should have our first first page of that. But, well, it's bjenergy.com. Bjenergy.com. So, yep. Yep. yeah. By the yep. time yep. this tuned. actually posts, yeah, yeah, <coughs> <coughs> it
2: might be up there. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have a LinkedIn page as well. So, that yes, way they do. can follow yeah. you guys on LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and when are
3: y'all going to publish the emissions white paper? Yeah, good point. Good
0: point. Um, let's say next week. So, yeah. so probably by the time this goes out, it'll be yeah. live. So. Where will that be published? That's so we're going to probably post it on our website and, and okay. maybe circulate outside a, a, a small audience too. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and actually, following the white paper too, I should mention we uh, we've had some great support. Um, we've we've teamed up with a professor at West West Virginia University who's helping us through some of this too. He's a, uh, an emissions mm-hmm. expert. Um, we're actually co-authoring uh, a technical paper with him as well that I think will for those that actually want to do the deep dive and, and, the, and the real theoretical uh, you know, work is is part of that as well that's going to come up to support. So. Okay. Well, you guys are great. And again, it's thanks. been a pleasure getting to know you guys last couple of years. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Congrats thanks, on David. the
2: move back to Denver. Yeah, uh, I, Denver, right? Yeah, I, Denver, okay, yeah, yeah. that's you've you've abandoned us in Texas. I don't blame you. I'd get out. Boy. <laughs> the summer heats, or yeah, it's probably better up there. But congrats yeah. on that move with your family. Congrats on the move, uh, and, the, and I know you guys have been through a lot. But it sounds like it's. Cha- I look forward to chapter two and three and, and the, the rest yeah. of the, the book you guys are writing. So, Very good. so can, good luck to you guys, yeah. David. Is there anything you want to uh, talk about as we close down
3: here? No, no, I think, I think we covered the waterfront. Okay. Covered the waterfront. The, uh, I think it was a good discussion. It's going to be interesting to see how things develop and, uh, across, the, across the sector. But uh, appreciate yeah. you guys being here. Certainly in a
2: better spot. You know, oil's at 84 right now. Gas, I don't really know exactly where, the, where it is today. Somewhere it's higher than it was. By 50-ish. That's, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I almost said that, but I was afraid it was too high. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I knew that's what it was. I just didn't yeah. want to say it out loud. I can't but, believe but it's that high. I guess my
3: only concern, I would say, is that I'm concerned about commodity prices getting too high because it it will ultimately elicit behavior it will get us back into a bad spot place again i think i think if we can maintain where we are that's good for everybody for a long time you think about the circular economy while folks are are concerned about gas prices at the pump this and the other having a strong uh, energy business is is good for everybody i mean oil and gas makes modern life possible today Mm. and uh, so i i hope i hope if we do you know see a hundred dollar oil it's it's for the same period of time that we saw negative 40 uh, because i think otherwise we're going to see a lot of folks come into the market yeah. just yeah. capitalistic tendencies can't help themselves and and uh and put us in a in a bad spot
0: and warren you're speaking it. At- the Thrive Conference in February. Yeah, John. John's uh, convinced me. Yeah, yeah he's so. he's persistent. He's persistent. Yeah, but it's he's, a great he's another guy I've been putting off for two years. By
2: the way. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that'll be good. So we'll we'll yeah. get to hear him speak about that. <clears> and <throat> that'll be what's well, probably four months from yeah. now. So that's some yeah, good time yeah. to develop as well. Yeah,
3: I think I think I'm gonna just have a shoe shine stand and, and a couch there yeah. at the Thrive Conference. It's perfect. Run right out work. of uh, suite. Yeah, I, I yeah. saw I saw more people just sitting at the boot shine stand. <laughs> uh, just came up and talked to me. I mean, I must have had 30 or 40 people there. I had to keep paying the gal, even though she <laughs> wouldn't shine my boots anymore. It's just a good spot. You had to take the high ground,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, on that note, we'll just give John a quick plug. If you're looking to be involved in the Thrive Conference, contact John Daniel or, or Bill Austin at uh,
3: danielep.com. So, or I Sean mean, Mitchell, yeah. too. He loves getting phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean at danielep.com. <laughs> <Yeah. it. laughs>
2: Just, you know, yeah, that's, that's exactly what to send it to. Well, all right, as usual, if there's any complaints, send those to David at david <laughs> at oilfield360.com. If there's any compliments, send those to josh at oilfield360.com. I don't read complaint emails, so it's perfect. So, <laughs> um, David, it feels good to be back. That's good. That's I mean, good. I'm, I'm better than I was. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. This You're is,
3: constantly improving, Josh. I, this yeah. is continuous improvement, I, <laughs> yeah. and
2: I haven't even done anything. Yeah, This is great. Thank you, gentlemen. This Thank is you wonderful. Much. Thank you, guys. Anything else? That's it. Uh, look us up on all our social media, www.oilfield360.com. We're going to be having a big announcement coming up. Uh, but, yeah, we're on every social media channel. We're on every podcast platform. Thank you for the support. We did just hit a major milestone. Yes, David.
3: I just want to say one thing. Cause yes. I think it's good. I was, it was something I told some of our guys the other day at the, and I think it applies to all of our audience. Everybody needs to be like a buffalo. And what does that mean? <laughs> that means buffalo. When bad winter storms come, they go walk through them. They don't sit there and freeze to death like cows. So when the tough gets going, you got to get tough and just go through it. So I think you can apply that message and all aspects of I like life. that.
2: I, we may cut and edit that one to the there middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. Because by this time, they already heard me make fun of David. They have shut this one down. Yeah, That's yeah. too good of advice not to...
0: Yeah, you know, the funniest, I got to tell the story to that. Before the Titan, I wanted to use Bison. Bison yeah. was... <laughs> the problem is that was a legacy BJ product, so we uh, we ultimately had to move on to the superhero. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Thanks again. Thank Hanaro, thanks.
1: The Field 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. United Airlines, as Houston's hometown airline, United has long been the preferred carrier of the energy sector. United for Business offers a range of programs and discounted travel options built for all of your energy, resource, and marine travel needs. Get started at united.com business. Piper Sandler, the energy and power team of Piper Sandler is committed to the global energy industry and delivers exceptional client services in M&A advisory capital markets execution, institutional sales, and investment research. For more information, please visit pipersandler.com slash energy and power. Prang & Associates, the global energy search leader. Prang & Associates is the world's leading executive search firm totally dedicated to the energy industry. Over our 39 years, we have assisted more than 750 management teams and boards in 75 countries and conducted nearly 3,600 engagements. For more information, please visit Prang.com. Range Valuation Services. Range is the only oil and gas focused valuation and appraisal firm in the financial services industry. Range specializes in appraising and valuing oil field equipment, machinery, inventory, and property, and customarily works directly with clients, lenders, investment bankers, insurers, and private equity and debt sponsors. For more information, please visit RangeValuationServices.com. Daniel Energy Partners, in-basin research you can trust. A leading provider of U.S. oil field research, known for its original boots-on-the-ground research approach, as well as its famous barbecue events. Daniel Energy Partners utilizes both its extensive network of top oilfield professionals and frequent in-basin field tours to provide real-time market intelligence. Visit danielep.com for information. Lockton Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com.